Amen. You're probably wondering, why is Johnny on stage and where's Pastor John? He left us to a mega church. Just kidding. No, uh, he's preaching at Lighthouse right now, so keep him in prayer. So I'm honored, and I thank you, Pastor John and Miss Debbie, for allowing me to preach. And thank you, wife, my beautiful wife, for opening up in prayer. I'm grateful for that. Amen. I, I love how, how things flow in the Spirit and how things uh, get together and so are one accord as one body. Because today, Jared, I don't know where Jared's at, Jared, he actually read the scripture that I'm teaching on today. And then, and then uh, uh, the mighty man of God back there gave a great testimony. George, he, was, he gave a uh, talking about healing. And I'm going to teach about healing today. And my title is called The Great Interruption. Interesting, right? What, what does that have to do with healing? The Great Interruption. I'm about to move this because I feel like I'm going to hit the stage. Okay. All right. So open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles to Mark 6, Mark 6, 1. And we're going to be jumping around. And I'm old school. I have a, I have a book with words in it. I don't have a tablet. Mark 6, 1. Mark 6, 1. If you're there, say amen if you have your Bibles. Hallelujah. I encourage Bibles, physical Bibles. Amen. So it says here in the word of God, it says, then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which he has given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? And brother of James, jo- Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own home. Now he could do no, do no mighty works there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So here we have Jesus and his disciples. He's teaching in the synagogue. And immediately we have people questioning him. And they associate him by who he is, who's his family, what his job is. Isn't that Jesus, the guy that works at Hobby Lobby, that makes cool decorations for them? They associate him with what uh, his work and, and his family basis and don't see who he is, the Messiah, God with us, flesh, in the flesh with us, with the prophets that spoken. They know who he is, but they were offended at him. They were offended the fact of what what majesty and what power, the wisdom that he had amongst them. And he's in his own hometown. And listen to this. That says, this is out of their mouths, the ones that were questioning. It says, where did this man man get these things? And what wisdom is which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? They They knew that he did mighty works through his hands. They knew 
And yet, they were offended by Him. That their unbelief, even though they knew in their minds, they knew, but yet because of their unbelief, their unbelief, He couldn't do no mighty work. Nothing, no miraculous, no creative miracles, no, if you didn't have an eye, there was no eye, no arm, like nothing of that sort. A few bumps and bruises and maybe a fever. And it says a few, that's a, that's, that's only like three, few that were able to be healed because of their unbelief. Today, church, I want your faith to increase. Today's a day of increase in your faith because God says he's given us a measure of faith, but that faith can grow. I want to pull the root of unbelief out of your hearts and take that out and throw it to the abyss in the forgetful of, uh, in the forgetful of the sea. Right in there so that we know who our God is. I want you to remember that you have faith. And it has to be this small. That's it. The size of a mustard seed. We need to get that unbelief out of our hearts. Because unbelief is the opposite of faith. It is doubt. Why should we doubt God? God says that nothing, nothing pleases Him but faith. Nothing. Here in Scripture it says, Hebrews eleven six. It's impossible to please God without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. You need to diligently seek the Father. Seek Him with everything you have and have faith that God can do the impossible. If nothing pleases, I can't do 20 backflips. You guys might be impressed, but it's not going to impress God. Like, so I've seen it plenty of times in the Olympics. It doesn't matter. I can't please God, but once our faith kicks in, once our faith kicks in, the atmosphere changes. And we need to increase our faith today. Today's the day. Today's the day. Say it, church. Today is the day. Today is the day that we, we increase our faith. And here's the first interruption. They were in church questioning, whispering to one another. Is that Jesus, the guy that lives at Mary's house? Is that the carpenter that made us our chair? Oh, there's so much more. They missed it. They missed it. We have to honor those that are bringing the message. We have to honor and see above, above what they do, above who they're associated with. We need to see above that's when we see the man of God. I hear you guys talk about Andrew Walmack and, 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 and Catherine Coleman and, and all these people, but we have that same anointing here right now. And we need to see past what they do, who they are, where they live. I come to bring a message that we honor and bring that healing come to pass. Let us not see in the natural, but in the supernatural. So let's go to our first great interruption. Go to Luke 8. Luke chapter 8. Starting at verse 40. Luke 
chapter 8, starting at verse 40. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had only a only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. I don't want to talk about Jairus too much. My, my story is going to be next, but I want to dive deep on, on Jairus. There, Jesus had just come back from kicking Legion's butt. And there's a multitude waiting for him already. A big crowd. And Jairus is the one that's standing out above everyone else. Jairus. I'm pretty sure the whole multitude wanted something from Jesus as well. But Jairus came humbly and meek to God and fell at his feet. And he said, please, Lord, my daughter is dying. I need you. Jesus didn't stop. There was an interruption. You don't think Jesus wanted to rest from all the traveling and going overseas from kicking Legion's butt and doing all these things. And yet Jairus came and interrupted the Lord and the multitude, and he stood out out of all of them. He came humbly to his feet, knowing that the only hope that was there was Jesus. The only one that can shift and change and bring back to life his daughter. And there he goes about. And it says at verse 42, for he had only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? And I was looking up the word throng because it's a very specific word. People pressed in and grabbed, pushed toward Jesus. They were pressing in. They, here, here was this picture of Jesus right here. They were going like this and trying to grab his attention and pulling him. And, and he's trying to get through the crowd to get to Jairus' daughter. And all of a sudden, a great interruption happened. Something phenomenal happened. The multitude wanted something from Jesus too. But this woman, this woman wanted it more than everyone else. She understood in her mind that she had to press through. And there she is on the floor touching the hinge of his garment and saying, if I just touch this, if I just reach it, and boom, something happened. She interrupted the flow of things. He was already on a mission going somewhere. He wasn't stopping for anyone else. But the great interruption of this woman, something changed and shifted. Something, the atmosphere changed and shifted. Are we, are we, are we painting the picture in our minds, church? We're quiet. I'm preaching better than you're looking. All right. And then Peter's like, Master, the multitude is strong and press you. You say, who touched me? Peter never gets it. Poor, poor Peter. Poor K, Peter. 
46 says, but Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people, the people uh, of all the people, the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately, immediately. Notice that the crowd lied. Oh, was it me? Oh, he's really looks upset. I'm not going to, oh, not me. And yet the woman came and told the truth. Though there was fear, she said she was trembling. Who knows how Jesus responded at that moment? Who touched me? <laughs> Peter. The multitudes lied. And the woman came humbly. And she said, she, uh, it says, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him. And now she healed immediately. She got healed immediately. She was willing to throw herself out there. The crowd moved and she fell at his feet. How can she deny what happened? She had to glorify God and let him know what just happened. That immediately power came forth through the hinge of his garment. He wasn't even looking at that woman. He was going forward to the mission that he had. And he stopped. It says, and he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She went from woman to daughter. She went from woman to daughter because of her faith. Because of her faith, it shifted and changed. She was no longer the woman that was bleeding. She was the daughter that was healed by the most high God. That's what we're seeing. We want that faith, that interruption faith. God's on the throne waiting for us to show our faith. Who is going to show the great faith? Who can say that they're healed? Who can say that God brought the power? It's time to stand in faith and believe what God has promised. The devil has lied to us too far along to our ears. But God has came. He has came and said, just have faith in me. Trust in me. Believe in me. I have something. I have something for you. Have faith. Interrupt. Shout. Cheer. Know that your God is here. I didn't mean to rhyme. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm around rappers too long. But man, praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. The great interruption. The great interruption of the woman. And was Jesus mad the fact that she interrupted him? Don't do it here when Pastor John's here. But I'm just saying. The interruption of the desperation, of the healing that she wanted. She interrupted Jesus. And Jesus was happy that there was great faith. Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let's go to the second interruption, the great interruption. Go to Luke Luke 18. Luke 18. Luke 18, starting at verse 35. 
Hallelujah. Are we learning? Is our our faith increasing? I want to hear some interruptions, some yells, some shouts. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm healed. That's right. Here we go. It says, then it happened. As he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by. He asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We have a blind beggar who's only heard of Christ, never seen him. He's only heard of him. And he has an opportunity to do whatever he can to grab his attention. Son of David, have mercy on me. 39 says, Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So we have people in front of Jesus shutting him up before Jesus comes by. Hey, shut up, man. Like, be quiet. You're being too loud. Who knows if Jesus was meditating or, or praying on the way and told his disciples to be quiet. We're not sure why they were shutting him up. Because it was out in the open, so they could have just walked around. They could have walked. But no, they said, be quiet. Just be quiet. You're being too loud. Like, And he did not care. His opportunity was right there, and he shouts, Son of David, have mercy on me. He knew that it was the seed of David, the promised one who was to come and to fulfill what was spoken in the Old Testament. Son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him to be quiet, but they did not care. At that moment, there was no care in the world. He understood that he needed something else more. It says, verse 40, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Weird question that Jesus would ask him this specific question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Knowing that this man's man's a blind beggar. It was obvious he was blind. What do you want me to do for you? See, Jesus was checking his heart at that moment. If you read in the beginning of the text, he was a blind beggar asking for money. I need money. Somebody, please, I just need to eat. Somebody bring me food. He was a blind beggar. And at that moment, he realized it wasn't money that he needed. He needed the Lord Jesus Christ to give him eyesight. He changed his mentality, the blind beggar. He understood that, that God was more than the money that he was looking for. And at that moment, it shifted the great interruption that he shook every, all the multitudes that were around Jesus. He didn't care who was watching. He didn't care who was looking. He didn't care if they told him to shut up, to shut up. Because you couldn't shut up when you desperately want something from God. When you know that God is able to do something for you. And he interrupted the whole atmosphere. And Jesus stopped for him. Because he heard his faith. It says that Jesus said to him on verse 42. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. 
It was his faith. He didn't care what people had to see, say, or, oh, I better not put my hands up or, or I better not go to the altar. No, interrupt. You know that God is here and whatever shakes your faith to do something to receive from the Lord, do it. You don't need to be in your seat the whole time. Be the blind beggar who shouts to him. Be the woman who bled and reached for his garment. If I just touch him, if I just reach for his garment, I may be healed. Increase your faith, church. We are the light and we need to shine brightly and bring that and that lives in us. As we go out and about and lay hands on the sick, that we could bring that as well. We need to be great interrupters. I've noticed that um, the Midwest, I'm very overbearing. And everybody's to themselves at the end of the story. Like, hey, God bless you. Somebody, James, just like, oh, I just want to pray for you. Do you need to pray for anything? Oh, yeah. They're not used to that interruption. But imagine you interrupting their lives. And at that moment, you change. And they see that God is real. We're here to save souls. And these people understood that their Messiah was there. Blessed are those that have not seen me. And this man didn't even see Jesus. He didn't know if he was good looking or if he was an average Joe, which Jesus was an average Joe. Says in the word of God. He didn't know nothing. All he knew was that there was a man with power. And it was sent by God, by the Old Testament, that the things that he's heard and received in his ear. And it says in Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. And he heard the word was walking by him. And he heard it. And he said, I, I want it. I want it. Give it to me. If nobody else wants it, I do. And Jesus was not mad at these interruptions. He says, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Does anybody want healing? Does anybody want the things of God? Does anybody want their faith to increase? To push further for the kingdom of God? To seek Him with everything that you have diligently? Are you hungry enough to show the world that God is here with us, Emmanuel? It's time to rise, church. The prophecy must be fulfilled that the river valley will grow and go far and the great revival will happen. But we have to step out. It's time to shake the foundations of Minnesota and Wisconsin. And as we shake the foundations, we will see the true foundation that was always there. God's foundation. We will see God move in ways that we will be like, that was in the Old Testament, that was in the, in the time of, of the apostles. The same movement is now. There was a little boy. I've told some of you guys this testimony. There was a little boy, 10 years old. And he came up running to me. Interrupted me. I was praying for people, but he just, he couldn't help. And he says, Johnny. Will you pray for me? I said, yeah, buddy, I could pray for you. I'm thinking he has a bumper bruise or something. And he, he always wears long sleeves. And he lifts up his sleeve. And this bone is crooked. It's like twisted. 
And I said, oh, gosh, I don't think I could do that. And I got corrected immediately. The Holy Spirit said, who said you were going to do it? And he's talking to me. This little boy's talking to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm speaking to God while he's speaking to me. I'm like, God, forgive me, please. Why did I even say that? And I was like, do you believe Jesus can heal you? And the little boy, yes, this is his reaction. Yes, not me, but Jesus. I believe Jesus can heal me. Going like this. I see his faith. I grabbed his arm and I said, in Jesus' name, go back to place. And I moved my hands. And it shifted straight. Woof. Right in front of our eyes. But it wasn't only for the little boy to receive that healing. His mom was there and his older brother and older and his older sister. The 18-year-old son hits his mom and hits her like this. See, mom, what more proof do you want that Jesus exists? <laughs> and at that moment, her faith increased. It wasn't just for the little boy, but for him and for the, the mother and for the, the, the brother and sister to see the power of God move. All it took was an interruption. All it took was some faith and for someone to move towards God. And the power of God gets released. God wants you healed. Do we understand that? Because his kingdom said he brought it down to earth. And then in heaven, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no pain, tears, None of that. No more. And the kingdom of God is here. But who's going to bring that kingdom to them? Who? Be the great interrupters. Allow people to interrupt you. I need prayer. Yes, let's pray. The desperation is there. Let us pray for you. Let us lay hands on the sick. Let us cast out demons in his name. Let us bring the gospel to the poor. Be the great interrupter. Jesus won't be mad at that. He wants it. He's waiting for us to move. I'm about to be finished. Can you play some, can someone play piano or something? Or the blind beggar. And this is, these are just two stories that I chose. But time and time again, the centurion who just ran up to him, interrupted everything that was going on. He said, just send your word. Send your word. And I know that they'll be healed. Wow, what great faith. Here was this Gentile. Great faith above everyone else in Israel. Great faith. I'm going to tell you a story. So the first few times I started laying hands on people, it wasn't working. And people would throw pity at me. Oh, yeah, I feel a little bit better. Thank you. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Tell me that you're healed. It was frustrating. But it was my heart that was affecting everything because I was doubting. I would pray and I'm like, you feel better? No, you're good. You're okay. No, I needed to be assured what was going on. And I remember I was praying for this, this woman at my work back at the bank, Lorraine. Her name was Lorraine. Awesome woman. She'd been married for like 30 years, and she was a beast. She would run miles up the mountain, and awesome. Very nice person. Sweet. And she didn't know the Lord. 
Like, how are you this nice? And you don't know God. It didn't make sense to me. I'm like, okay. And then I was, t- I was preaching to her often, telling her about the Lord, witnessing to her. And she's like, oh, yeah, telling her about healings and miracles. And then she was gone for like a week. And I started asking her, hey, where's Lorraine at? She's like, you didn't hear? She has this weird, rare kidney disease that's affecting her. She can't even get off her bed. I said, what? It didn't make sense to me because she was super healthy. I said, okay. Uh, she came one day and she was walking like this. And I'm like, Lorraine, what's going on? She started explaining what the doctor was telling her about an infection or whatever. That she's in excruciating pain. I said, let me pray for you. I interrupted her. Let me pray for you. She goes, Johnny, I've been thinking about that. Oh, here's this unbeliever thinking about the power of God to move. I said, give me five minutes. That's all I need. She's like, okay, when lunch starts, we could pray. I said, okay. Lunch comes, she ends up taking off with one of her friends to go get some food because she couldn't drive, she didn't want to drive. So she left and she's like, hey, I'm going to get lunch real quick. Time goes by, I get to lunch. I start praying, driving home. I'm praying and I'm crying out to God. And I was on the floor of my apartment. And I remember, please, God, if you just heal her, I know she'll surrender to you. Just, and I was on the floor begging, crying. Please, just, just, just touch her, Lord. I know that she'll surrender. I know that she'll believe. I know that she'll know that you are her God. I drove back to work and I continued praying. And when I got back to work, I was like, Hey, one of my coworkers was like, hey, Lorraine was looking for you. And immediately, I just knew something happened. I ran over to her cubicle. She go, I'm like, Lorraine. And she goes, she looks at me. She goes, Johnny, what did you do? <laughs> and I said, Lorraine, I knew, I knew. She jumps off her chair and runs towards me and gives me a hug. While she was walking like this. Yeah. And she's like, look, Johnny. I, I, she gave me her pills and she's like, count them all. Please count them. She's like, I, I didn't even take one painkiller or anything. I was like, Lorraine, stop. I believe you. I know who healed you. She's like, oh, yeah, God healed me. Like, uh, she baffled, surprised that the interruption, a great interruption happened in her life where she got healed and surrendered herself to God. Her marriage was in shackles. And all I would do was give her scriptures. Her marriage got saved. Her husband started going to church. She asked me what kind of Bible she needed to use. I gave her everything that she needed. I sent her to a church. And now she's serving the Lord. We need some great interrupters in the house. We need those of faith to stand and rise. The same power and authority that I have up here is the same that's in you. Rise. Believe. Shout. Cry out to your God. He hears you. He wants you.